If you're struggling to lose weight, you've probably heard about weight loss medications like Wigovi or ZepBound, and you might be wondering if they're right for you. Meet Plush Care, a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. If you qualify, they can safely prescribe you medication from the comfort of your own home. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hello and welcome to the Addicts Anonymous podcast. I'm your host, Jim Rochelles. Today is episode 247, and we're going to be interviewing Sabrina. How you doing, Sabrina? I'm good, thank you. You happy to be here? You ready to do this? Um, a little nervous and anxious, I'm not gonna lie, but it's all good. Yeah, that's normal. I remember when I, I remember my first episode, I was sitting there like, what am I gonna talk about? What questions do I ask? You know what I mean? So I, I, I understand being nervous. And I still get nervous every time. Yeah. It's one of those things. But, you know, it's one of those things that I'm not doing it for everybody. I'm doing it for me. And if I can help one person out there, then then so be it, right? Yeah, exactly. So let's get started here. Same question I ask everybody in the beginning is tell me about your childhood of growing up. Oh, wow. <laughs> um, and take your time. A, yeah, sure. I had it pretty made. I mean, I grew up in a mom and dad family household, family of four. I had a sister or I have a sister. She's younger than me, but very, uh, we're Germans. So it was a very strict household. Um, you know, my dad worked, my mom stayed home. Um, first language was German, learned English in, in school, was born in Ontario. Um, but it was always, you know, the, we were seen and not heard kind of kids. Um, I don't know, like, I guess, you know, we always, my parents weren't from Canada, they're from Germany, so they moved to Canada, and we didn't really have any family here, um, so we were constantly, you know, hanging out with friends on the weekends, and my parents were always entertaining, um, and then they got the notion that they wanted to move to the States, to Florida, um, because my mom had serious back problems, constant bulging discs, herniated discs, fusions. You know, my, I remember always coming home from work or school, and my mom was laid up on the couch like she couldn't move and stuff. Um, and dad always was working. I mean, he worked six days a week, um, but you know, they tried to move to Florida because we had a condo in Florida and they always constantly um, took us on trips to Florida to spend our time most of the times there growing up. I, I don't remember a lot of my childhood, I'll be honest. Um, but I do remember, I do remember one time I refused. I was going into high school and I was like, I'm not going to Florida for two weeks. There's no way I want to stay home, hang with my friends, blah, blah. And they were like, okay, cool. Uh, my sister was like, yeah, I want to be like my, you know, my older sister and stay home. And my parents were like, okay, that's fine. Sabrina, you're staying home. You're looking after your, 
your sister while we go to Florida for two weeks. I was 14 at the time and my sister was 10. So they left. Yeah. So they left. They left me to look after her for two weeks and being in a strict household, you know, I, we weren't allowed to do anything really. Um, uh, so they left. Wow. We were on our own for two weeks. Awesome. We could do whatever we wanted, you know? Um, <laughs> so there was this guy I liked and he had a brother that my sister liked. So we had them come over, you know, hang out and whatever. And, uh, nothing really happened. We just hung out, um, cause we were kids back then. They left, my parents came home and they were like, oh, we know you had people over. We're like, well, how is that possible? You know, there's no way you guys were gone. And, oh, well, we had the neighbors check on you. So now, you know, having that freedom for two weeks, now we're back into this strict household. And that's when I started like questioning. I don't understand, you know, why I have to, you know, listen to you and your rules because I mean, shit, I was off for, you know, on my own for two, two weeks. Um, time goes by and <clears throat> still going to Florida, we'll go to Florida and whatnot. And I turned 16 and I remember my parents were really close with the neighbors and they had built a gate in the fence because the neighbors had a pool so every weekend we would have pool parties and stuff and that's when I started drinking with them my parents and they would give me a cooler you know hey it's the cool thing to do you know here sit with us and have a drink um never really thought anything of it um time time goes by and uh they decide they want to actually, they put the house up for sale. They want to sell it because we're now moving to, to Florida or so we thought. Anyways, in the meantime, I got shipped off to a family and my sister got shipped off to a family of friends, two different ones. Um, so they could pack up the house and, and get ready to move. And uh, that fell through. So I was like, at these people's house for oh, probably a month. And I really didn't have any rules and regulations there either. So I could come and go as it pleased. So then <clears throat> they ended up buying a condo in Canada, in our hometown. And uh, so we went from a four bedroom house to a two bedroom condo. So I had to share a room with my sister. So. Now I'm, you know, in high school, I'm getting to the end of high school and this is a real, like, it's hard, right? So I hang out with all these friends and we start drinking and going to parties and being, living in Toronto, I uh, ended up starting at the raves and picking up on drugs <clears throat> real bad. What, what so, was the first, what was the first age you ever used anything at all? What was the first day? Oh, I don't even remember. Um, I know I was 16 and I started drinking with my parents. Alcohol. Okay. Like heavy drinking with your parents? No, just like one or two here and there. But then the legal age here is 19. But we we ended up 
you know, people get fake IDs and stuff and you sneak into the clubs or whatever. I remember, I remember going to the clubs. We would always pre-drink. It was always on Friday, pre-drink and then go to the clubs and then drink some more. So for me, it was never one or two. It was like, by the time we got to the club, I was already intoxicated big time. Um, it's funny because I was just talking with my sister about this. She's my best friend who is more like a sister to me than my biological sister. Um, and she lives with me. Um, but I could never have just one drink. It was always one led to two led to, you know, 20 and 20 was never enough. Um, I was always intoxicated like to the point I remember being in a car coming home and hanging my head out the window and puking like that's how bad it was um and then it turned into going to the raves where Thursday Friday Saturday and Sunday was the after party so I was high for like four days um I remember being 19 and doing that and I remember my first time going to a rave and doing that one hit of ecstasy ever in my life. And it's always constantly like you want to chase that first high. Because you can never get it back. Right? Oh, yeah. Um, I, mean, I always say my I came up with a sentence along the lines of, we always try to get that <clears throat> first high we so often romanticized after using it. Well, it's a form of euphoria, escapism, right? And I oh, chose... Okay. Yeah, I chose... I think I I was always a black sheep of the family. I stood up for myself. I was confident. I I didn't care what people thought. I didn't care what my parents thought because heck, I was left at 14, you know, on my own. Um my mom and I really did not see eye to eye. My father, I was a daddy's girl. I didn't really you didn't really hear much from my dad. It was when he was mad, it was I'm disappointed in you kind of thing um and again we were kind of the seen and not heard kids right you you had to like I remember going to church on Sundays and I hated it because I just I didn't understand it as a kid and as I got older I didn't believe in it and and my mom always tried to dress me up in a dress and I hated it and like and pantyhose and shit like that and I was always a tomboy. I was always out in the yard with my dad, you know, playing in the, in the muck with the, with the trucks and stuff. And cause he was a bricklayer. Um, and my sister was always inside playing Barbies and, you know, hanging out with my mom. Um, <clears throat> so for me, it was, I needed to use substance in order to escape home life. If that makes sense. Um, yeah, of course, that's a very common reason to try to numb yourself from the situation that you're in. Right. I, uh, I was like, you know, kind of like, fuck you, I'm doing my own shit. I'm not gonna, you know, listen to what you have to tell me. I mean, you know, and then as I got older, I think I was 18. I finally moved out of the house. I was like, I can't do this anymore. My mom, like I would come home high from a rave and my parents would be getting ready for church excuse me and they would 
they would say, oh, I didn't know the bar closed this, this early, like late in the morning or whatever. But meanwhile, you know, they had no clue. Um, <laughs> funny story. Uh, I moved out and then my grandmother from Germany came to visit one time and she wanted to see my apartment and I had just come home from a rave. So I was higher than a kite and I was like, oh God, okay, whatever. So mom and my grandmother come over <laughs> and my grandmother turns to my mom and she says, do you know your daughter is high right now on drugs? My mom's yeah. like, no way, there's no way. And my grandmother's like, yeah, right. Being in Germany, it was a big thing too, right? Um, and uh, she's like, no way, there's no way. Well, finally, I just came clean and I said, yeah, no, I'm right now. Hi, I was in a rave last night. I'm, I'm just, you know, coming down from being high. And she's like, oh, my God, and I can't believe you and blah, blah. And I'm thinking, well, all these years I've been doing it. I'm coming home higher than a kite and you haven't clued in. Like, you really are naive, you know? to everything um anyways i continued that for the rave scene for i was like oh gosh 18 19 until i was 23 i remember this distinctly i uh <clears throat> we went to a rave a buddy of mine and uh came home somehow i don't even know how i drove my car um, I drove him home, which was an hour away from my house. So from Toronto, it took an hour to drive to his place, then an hour back to my place. And I woke up the next morning and I was thinking, how the hell did I get, how the hell am I in my bed? I look out the window and I'm like, how the hell did I get my car home? And I was 23 at the time. And I was like, holy shit, like I drove home and I don't even remember. And at that point I was like, I'm done. I'm done with this because I want to live to see the next day. I want to have kids. I want to get married. I want to have a career. I want to have a house, you know, the whole thing, the whole nine yards. And it shows how <laughs> selfish we are because we're not even thinking about the other people we can kill. Right, exactly. Um, so at that time, this was a newer apartment that I had moved into and I met, so I was living on the main floor and there was a basement apartment and I met a guy who lived downstairs. Turns out he ended up being my partner and all we did was drink. Like I remember drinking a bottle of tequila and us eating the worm at the end and then we went out for a walk and we were stumbling all over the place and then ended up somehow home and making peanut butter sandwiches and putting the worm with the peanut butter sandwich. Like it was just cra crazy, crazy stuff we did. Anyways, with him, I ended up, and he was an alcoholic, or still is an alcoholic as well. Um, but at the time, we didn't really think that we were alcoholics. We were just like, oh, yeah, we're having fun. We're partying. You know, we're we're young, stupid, in love at the time. Um, I ended up getting pregnant with my first son. Um, so then I 
I quit drinking. Like I went through college, got my early childhood education degree. And as soon as I found out I was pregnant, I stopped drinking. Um, had my, had my first son and. I always found that amazing that a lot of people I talked to, the second they found out they were pregnant, they were able to quit. Well, I, I that's mean, impressive to me. Well, you, I've <clears throat> never been pregnant before, right? Didn't know that you could have one or two drinks while you're pregnant. I just, I wanted to be strictly clean and clear uh, for this baby, right? Um, so I had my first son, Kelso, July 18th. I talked to my dad on the phone because at the time they had moved to Newfoundland um, and I was still living in Ontario. I talked to him on the 19th and he congratulated me and, you know, oh, excited because he has a grandson. And my mom called me a couple days later, freaking out. Oh, your dad's not home. I don't know where he is. And I said, oh, mom, you know, it's okay. Uh, um, he's probably out, you know, just looking for work because Newfoundland, is, it was at the time very scarce for work for for what he did in his line of job. Um, and she was like, okay, okay, no problem. You know, um, uh, a day later, so July 24th. Yeah, that was the 24th, the 25th, she calls and they did a helicopter search and they found my father who had committed suicide that day. I'm sorry um, to hear that. Thank you. Um, that day ended up being seven days after my first boy was born on their wedding anniversary, five days before his birthday. So he had already had it planned and whatnot. So here I am with now a nine day old baby flying to Newfoundland. Um, I ended up there staying with my mom for two weeks with my boy just because I was the strong one of the family, looked after everything. Anyways, fast forward, I had a second child with the same man and he ended up drinking and now smoking weed with the neighbor next door. And I just couldn't handle it anymore. I was like, I'm done. It's either you clean up or we're separating. I'm going on my own. Well, it was the latter. I ended up on my own with these two boys who are 15 months apart. And they were still like, Tulsa was 18 months and Ethan was nine months. You know, little little babies. So I'm on my own. So trying to get through life and it was just tough being a single mom. Uh, I ended up in court fighting for, for sole custody of my boys for two years. I ended up getting sole custody. In the meantime, I mean, drinking wasn't a huge thing, but I still drank with people every now and again. And, you know, when I could, when the kids went to their, their dads, I drank or whatever. Never really thought much of it. Anyways, met a man online in Nova Scotia and I end up moving here. Um, this was in 2006. 
Um, ended up getting pregnant, having a daughter, nearly lost her. Um, but then I noticed, like, we were together for nine years, married five years. We got married. And I remember my wedding day. It was in the morning. And if I'm jumping all around, I'm, I do apologize. I'm No, I'm listening. I'm listening. Okay. I'm all over the place. Um, but I remember our wedding day specifically because it was a morning wedding and we had it at the fire hall and the I just kept drinking. Like I got drunk on our wedding day and he was like, what are you doing? It's like 11 in the morning. I'm like, oh, so there's a bar. He goes, it's not open bar. I'm like, oh, good. Well, then you can pay for it. Like I just, it just like when I rehash things, it blows my mind. Like, you know, um, <clears throat> anyways, I was the one always drinking. I went out on the weekends with the girls and anyway, he ended up going out West to work and things just, I was a married single woman. I just couldn't handle it anymore. I was like, this is ridiculous. What's the point in me? being married if you're never home he the first year he was out there for three years the first year he never came home the second year he came home for one week and the third year he came home for two weeks but he also worked and then I found out that he ended up cheating so I was like we're done that's when I started really picking up drinking when we separated um because I had all this trauma to begin with, but now I have a separation and my ex-husband, I ended up having a peace bond against him because he, you know, was abusive and did stuff that, you know, my kids had seen and shouldn't have. Um, and my, uh, my, our youngest, my daughter was, I think like seven or eight at the time. So we separated in April and in May, I decided I'm going to take a trip out West. That's where my mom and my biological sister ended up moving to, to Calgary. Um, and I met some friends and I was like, yep, yeah, I'm going. So I went biggest mistake ever, because that's when I got back into the drugs heavily into Coke. Uh, I never thought it was a, an addiction. Um, but I loved it so much that when I came home, I would do it on the weekends. The kids weren't gone. And that was pretty much every weekend. Um, I never did it in front of the kids, but I did it and I'd be coming down off my high on Sundays when they're coming back home. Uh, so it was not a good thing, but it looking back on it now, I, it definitely taught me that I was an addict, you know? Um, so then I started doing speed. I did Molly. I mean, you name it, I've done it. I've done every drug out there except for needles. I've never, I could never put a needle in to do drugs. Right. Um, and drinking was always there. Oh, always constantly drinking. It got to, so I moved here to Toronto, Nova Scotia. 
we separated, sold the house, went on our merry way kind of thing. Um, and I started picking up drinking. I was still doing coke. Met a few people here. Did coke whenever I could. Um, and then I ended up in a relationship. I'm bisexual. So uh, I ended up in a relationship with a girl. And when we met, she was addicted to weed and I was addicted to coke. And we both agreed that if we're going to make this happen, we're going to quit. So we did. Four years, four years went by and never touched coke ever. And again, um, by the end of it, she started smoking weed again. Excuse me. Um, but drinking, that never stopped. Uh, it was to the point where we would go out drinking and we, we'd be intoxicated. You know, we'd come home and there were nights where I'd come home and I'm like on the floor drunk and my kids are, are seeing this. Um, I never thought anything of it. Just thought it was a normal thing, you know. Um, we're having fun. We're, I'm not an alcoholic. I can manage this. You know, I'm, I'm in control. It's not, in, it's not controlling me. Um, anyways, we got engaged, um, and then COVID hit. So we postponed the, the wedding to a year later. And then in 2020, I found out she was cheating on me for a whole year. Uh, with her friend she just decided she was done with our relationship and in the meantime I had had a psychosis breakdown um, where her and my son I was hiding in the closet and they came in and, and tried to figure out what was wrong and I'm like I don't know anyway um I ended up seeing a psychiatrist and I was diagnosed with borderline personality disorder, PTSD, dissociative disorder, anxiety, and depression. So, you know, hey, whatever. I got a mental illness now on top of it. Yay for me, you know. Um, I joined the fire department. I've been on the fire department for five years now. Um, but again, social events, I'd go and drink my face off you know it was the norm um I was never an angry drunk I was always the happy loud obnoxious goofy you know everybody loved it when I was drinking because I was just silly right um not that I'm not when I'm sober because I can be but uh you know um but anyways she left and she broke my heart like um so my daughter was still living here um, with me and I had a hard year. I really, I was heartbroken. I started drinking more and more. So it was, you know, go to work, can't wait to get home because I'm going to have a drink. Go to work, come home, drink. Not one, two, three, maybe four, till I could feel nothing, till I was numb. I, during the week, I was pretty good because... I, my daughter lived with me at the time and, and, uh, I was manageable just to the point where she didn't really see me drunk, drunk. Right. 
Um, last year, so then 2001, I kind of, I don't want to say sobered up because I never did. I, you know, cut back a bit. Um, but I ended up rising above and buying a house, uh, got a new car. It was great. Got a new job. Awesome. Things were going well. Then I had a really bad car accident. Um, my car was written off. It wasn't my fault. It was somebody else who had T-boned me. Um, I was driving to work and he decided to floor it out of his driveway. And if the road had been icy, he would have driven me off the cliff. So that happened. And I was just, you know, again, now on pills because I'm sore and I damaged my knee and now I'm, now I'm taking pills, right? Just to get through the day and drinking during the evening. Um, that was 2001, 2022, well, so last year. Um, things have been really good, uh, but my sister, who's my best friend, she moved in because her and her husband separated. Uh, he's a narcissist and a pedophile, and she found out, and she was like, nope, I'm out. What am I going to do? I said, well, you're moving in here. So now it's great. She's moved in. Every Friday, we're drinking. Like, I'm going out and buying not a six-pack, not an 18-pack, but a 24-pack just for me. And I'd get her some drinks, you know, whatever. But every Friday. And so now I'm at work, love my job, but I'm not really focused because all I want to do is can't wait to get home. I can drink. Can't wait to get home. Friday nights, party night. Um, and also was taking uh, gummies, so weed gummies. So it started off with two and then it went to four and then it just increased, right? Because, oh, heck, they helped me relax and I don't feel anything. And so it got to a point where we were drinking and doing the weed. Um, February, I met this guy online, lives in Maine, met him in October, started chatting, things were great. Uh, went and visited him one weekend in October. Great, came home, still doing the repetitive drinking, you know, taking the gummies or gel caps or whatever. Um, February 18th, we had a long weekend. So the 18th, 19th, and the 20th was a Monday because it's family day here. Um, so, uh, I decided to go visit him in Maine. Big mistake. But anyway, I think it happened for a reason. Uh, had a great time. Um, we end up drinking on the Saturday and started talking about past, my past and his past and brought up a lot of past trauma. Um, so anyways, one thing led to another, we had our fun and then he left and I was like, what the hell? Like, why don't you stay? Nope, I gotta go home. All right, whatever. 
had the bottle there, drank the bottle, and then decided life was shitty. I could care less if I die. What the hell? So I took a whole bottle of pills and I nearly overdosed. Uh, I ended up calling 911 and ambulance came with two police officers. <laughs> and I don't really remember a lot of that night, but I remember that I lost my vape because I vape in the hotel room. And I remember going crazy. Like I was literally throwing the the bed mattress across the room, throwing shit at these officers and they're just standing there. And I am surprised that they didn't arrest me, but they just stood there and let me do my thing. I, I tore that room upside down. Like there was crap everywhere. Anyways, I found it and they wanted to take me in the ambulance and I refused. I was like, there's no effing way I'm going in there. I don't need help. I'll be fine in the morning. Just leave me the fuck alone. And finally the one officer was like, okay, if I take you in the back of my cruiser, will you go to the hospital? And I was like, fine, whatever. There's nothing wrong with me. He actually had to help me because I could not walk because I was so drunk and now I'm, these pills were kicking in and they wanted to try and get me to the hospital before it put me over the edge. I ended up at the hospital. <clears throat> I'm now put on suicide watch. Um, I don't remember much, but I know the next day, which was the Sunday, they were, they had a crisis team come in and they wanted to keep me impatient for the week and I was like there's no freaking way I'm staying in the states uh-uh I gotta get home you know I gotta go to work on Tuesday there's no way you're keeping me here well the only way we can release you and in the meantime I was messaging this guy to see if he would come and get me because I wanted <laughs> to get out go back because the hospital is a half an hour away from where he was where I stayed. I wanted to go back, get my car, get my stuff and go home. He wouldn't answer, wouldn't answer, wouldn't answer. I was like, okay, whatever. Um, so they were like, well, the only way we can release you is if we transport you in the ambulance across the border to St. Stephen's, New Brunswick, and you see a doctor there. I was like, do it up, I'm not staying in this place. There's, no, there's nothing wrong with me. I need to go the fuck home. Get transported over there. They were like, I played the game. I played the game pretty good. I got released. There's nothing wrong with me. I'm okay. I got released. <laughs> I had to walk 10 minutes from the hospital to the border to try and get across to get my, my stuff. Um. The U.S. border, they wouldn't let me back in because I was already a suicide threat, right? They didn't want me to be back in unless I came with somebody. So the supervisor tried to call this guy. He never answered the phone, blah, blah, blah. My sister, which the border from our house is four hours away. She ended up coming down and meeting me at the border. 
this was now, <clears throat> I don't know, two, two o'clock, three o'clock in the morning. And she had to drive down to come get me four hours. Anyways, she came, we ended up getting my car and my stuff and we didn't stay. We drove home right away. So I didn't get home till the Monday. Um, and that day I was still feeling really low, you know, had a few drinks and again, tried to kill myself, overdose. And I ended up at the hospital here in town. And that's, that, that day is when I woke up, I guess, if you want to say, and said, I can't do this shit anymore. I really can't. In the meantime, my oldest son moved out. He has a fiance and they had a baby. We had a falling out, haven't met my grandson in the meantime. So there were a lot of things that were leading up to this. My daughter decided last June to move out to her dad's. Haven't heard from her since then. So I was like, what's the point in life? I've got no purpose here. What's my purpose? So I finally decided, you know, my middle boy lives with me and he was like, mom, you really need to talk to me. I need to know what's going on. And I'm like, I really don't know what, what's going on. There's so many things that, you know, that I can't, I can't disclose. I can't talk about them. And he's like, why not? I want to help you. I don't understand your mental illness. I want to understand it. I want to help you. Sounds like a strong, I, sounds like a strong and intelligent young man. He, he is. Sorry, I have to stand up. My leg is numb. Um, he is. He's very strong. He works. He, he's an iron worker. Um, he loves his job. His girlfriend's amazing. You know, things with him, with them are, are fantastic. But I have two other children and a grandson. And I just thought life was shit. Like, I don't have friends. And, you know, like, I have all these mental illnesses. And anyways, in order for me to be released that day from the hospital, the psychiatrist had to come and see me. So she came and she said, you need to be on a mood stabilizer. You have really, really highs and really, really lows. And when you have your lows, you can't get out of them. And I'm like, I, okay. I take them. I take a mood stabilizer. I'm yeah. Bipolar. So she. Yeah. Okay. So she ended up putting me on quetiapine, but she over medicated me. So I go home. I'm taking this medication, and all I'm doing is sleeping, and I'm a zombie. And anyways, got got in contact with my doctor and he regulated it now so that I'm, I'm okay. But there was one thing in me and I don't know, I think my dad, to be honest, that day when I was in the hospital came to visit me in my head and cause I could see him in my dreams. And I honestly think that he told me that life's too precious that I'm not ready for you to be up here with me yet. And you've got to keep going. Um, because that was, so Tuesday I ended up at home and Wednesday I ended up calling AA and going to that, to a meeting. And 
that day since I've been going to meetings and I went to an NA meeting and I go to those too. And I've been clean and sober since then. Um, since all that happened, I am now making amends to my son who now is, you know, picked up the phone and called and said, mom, you know, it's not fair. Jackson hasn't met you. We really want to, you know, smooth things out. Let's talk it over. So that was a week, a week after all that happened. And now my, I'm like in my grandson's life. So I, I really feel that I don't know if it's on my higher power yet, but I feel that my dad was telling me that, you know, you have life to live because of your grandson, because all these things happen. And I feel, I fully believe that things happen for reasons. I really do. So yeah, that's my life in a nutshell. It's crazy. <laughs> yeah, no, I wouldn't say it's crazy. It's a, it's a life of an addict trying to rebuild what they lost through their addiction. Absolutely. And I think I've, I've come to the realization I am an addict, um, whether and an alcoholic, whether it be drugs or alcohol, but I'm the type of person, my, I have a highly addictive personality. So if I go to the gym once now I have to go like a hundred times, um, I get addicted very easily, whether it's anything nowadays you know what I mean so I have to really really sit and think is this really worth it yeah <clears throat> you know and and honestly those friends that I thought were friends were actually only enablers because not once did I have to buy coke it was always handed to me you know um so now being on this clean, sober journey, I removed a whole lot of people that I thought were friends. They're no longer in my life. I don't need them. Um, I wish them well, don't get me wrong. However, I, I cannot have those type of people in my life, you know? Um, and it's funny because you really, really, truly find out who your real friends are when you go through this. So, yeah. So let me ask you one yeah. last question. Sure. Do you have any advice for people watching and listening? Uh, honestly, I just want to tell people that they're not alone. There are a lot of us out there that are struggling and going through things and you know if they think that they're they drink too much or use drugs too much then they need to reach out um because honestly there won't be a next time and i know for me if i pick up one drink there will not be a next time i will be six feet under i know that for a fact because i know myself now being clean and sober um, and honestly, don't be ashamed. I was at first, but now I really don't give shit. You know what? I'm here today because I took the action and I took the accountability of being powerless and unmanageable. So 
you know what, just reach out. There's always somebody there to listen. Well, I want to say thank you for coming on the podcast. I think you did great today. Well, thanks for having me. I really appreciate it. And if it's just for one person that I can reach out to, then my job here is done. And I think you'll be able to accomplish that with no problem. I really appreciate it, Jim. No problem. So do me a favor and just hang tight for a minute. Let me do our little sales pitch for the group. Um, okay. Everyone watching and listening, if you like what you saw and heard, go below and give us a like. Also subscribe to see when we upload new videos. You can also check us out on all social media. We're on Twitter, Facebook, Reddit, TikTok, Instagram. I always say if you name it, we're on it. I also suggest checking out our website, which is www.addicts-anonymous.com. There you find plenty of free resources and free literature. And also, Addicts Anonymous has a book coming out. It should be hopefully out by next month. I keep pushing the release date back, so I will keep you guys updated on that when it is going to be available for sale. Um, so that's all we have for today. I really hope you enjoyed this podcast. And until next time. Thanks so much. I appreciate it. Bye. Bye.